2: Welcome back to the Art of Charm podcast, a show designed to help you communicate with power and become unstoppable on your path from hidden genius to influential leader. We know you have what it takes to reach your full potential, and that's why each and every week we share with you interviews and strategies to help you transform your life by unlocking your unique X factor. Whether you're in sales, leadership, building client relationships, or looking for love, we got what you need. You shouldn't have to settle for anything less than extraordinary. I'm AJ. And I'm Johnny. Before we kick off today's episode, did you know that you could get the entire Art of Charm back catalog? Yes, that's 15 years of podcasts featuring expert guests and toolbox episodes when you subscribe to Stitcher Premium. Sign up today and use code CHARM to get a month free at stitcher.com. All right, Johnny, I'm excited because today we have a new toolbox episode dropping.
1: You know, we haven't done anything about moving in a while. And the reason we have is because, well, a lot of folks have hit us up with some moves. I think a lot of people are, have been moving in the last year. I know I have. AJ, you've been talking about it. And we've just done a mastermind in Miami, which it was a big topic. And because it has been fresh on my mind, developing and putting together a new social life in a new city, we thought it would be fun to put an episode together.
2: Yeah, Johnny, I was actually walking around New York City a couple months back and one of our show fans stopped me on the street and said he'd been listening to the show for years and it was a a great moment to really connect with our listeners. And I asked him what he'd like to hear as the next toolbox. And we started talking about moving to a new city and all the toolbox episodes that he put into place in his own life to grow his social circle in New York. So I thought it'd be fun to go through our own personal history and share with you some strategies that we've used to move from coast to coast to establish us in a new city. And of course, Me, you, and Michael have done this quite a few times, so we're going to use our proven system to quickly build high-value social circles where you just moved. We're also giving you a checklist to make sure you maximize your move to that new city. You can grab it today at theartofcharm.com new newcity. Link is also in the show notes, so let's kick it off today. Well, I'm really excited to talk about this topic. I know the three of us have moved Quite a bit in our adult lives. And I was recently hanging out with some X Factor members and boot camp alumni in New York City. And this question came up, we had a new member who moved to New York City, and he was spending his first few weeks trying to get a handle on how to meet new people and build a social circle. He had a big one in San Francisco, but he was essentially starting over. And I know that both me and Johnny, we've moved multiple times throughout the U.S. And we're excited to have you with us, Michael, to talk a little bit about the nuances going on and moving in Europe. But this is an opportunity for us to reset and essentially restart our social circle from scratch. And I think at times that can sound intimidating and can certainly be anxiety-inducing, But it also is a positive. It's a way for us to restart and refresh the relationships that are in our life that are impacting us. And if you've been a fan of this show, you may have heard us say over the years, well, you are the sum of your five closest friends. And if you think about your five closest friends, well, they're probably not moving with you if you've moved. So Who are you gonna invest time in? Who are you going to spend time with in this new city and how do you find them? Today, we're gonna break down some of our strategies that we've used over the years to move around to establish social circles in new cities. And I know for myself, I was terrified when I first moved. Uh, Left home, moved to college, Didn't have very many friends joining me at the University of Michigan from high school. And really that was my first time doing this. Now it's not my first rodeo. So I have some strategies that I'm excited to share.
1: Well, we're certainly gonna get into those strategies, but I also wanna set this up that I would think most people are going to find themselves moving at some point and having to start over. At some point in life. And it shouldn't be looked at as a bad thing. It should be looked at as a good thing. We have more tools now to stay in touch with the people that we might be leaving behind as we move to our new city or or new country even. But at the same time, we created our virtual world and now our virtual world is impacting our real life world. And I say that because regardless of how the virtual world has impacted us in real life, one thing remains the same. And that is, We need connection. We need real-life connection. We need to be around people in order to feel good. It's even shown, and we've talked about it on the show, that even micro-interactions, those little interactions with the barista or the Uber driver, goes a long way in allowing us to feel connected. And when all of your connections are online, and I have plenty of online virtual friends, and we always talk about, Solidifying those relationships by having a real life meetup. However, the online relationships that you have are not going to suffice for what you need to feel to feel fulfilled in your real life. And that is important. Those the relationships you have, they may get you by, they may get you out of the dumps when you're feeling down, but it's not going to be anything like being face-to-face.
0: Yeah, I can. I can totally speak to that. I, um, when I was in the in the film industry, I think I moved like five or six times within a decade. So every one or two years, I would be moving for a new project, and every time I was starting from scratch. Now, granted, I had a great job, great teammates, but I was always in a new city, in a new country, in a new continent, and I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was doing and I made a lot of mistakes. And I just wish that with all the stuff that we're going to share in this episode, I just wish that Michael, when he was 25 years old, he would have known this stuff because I did rely on the online connections. And and back then that wasn't even Zoom. There was email, texts, uh, Facebook, and and it wasn't enough. Even, even given, like, time difference and stuff that, that can come in there as well, not just the localities, but, but being, like, five hours removed from, you know, the people that you know, yeah, it's not enough. So let's go through the stuff that I wish I had known when, you know, when I was young.
1: Well, you said something there that I want to expand upon, and I want to give AJ and I's own uh, example of this, our own story, which is when we moved to New York City to start the Art of Charm, we were younger. We had a different mentality. All this technology that we that we're talking about was just in its infancy. Social media as a whole was in its infancy. I remember getting to New York and opening a Twitter account for the first time. Now, and since then, technology has drastically changed. But you mentioned about when you moved, Michael, that it was, it was difficult and it was almost, it was a sort of a mess. And we now have moved that I specifically have moved several times in my life. And I have refined that move in the tactics that I used as time went on. When we moved to New York, we were much younger. As I said, this technology was rather new. The idea was get to New York, make as much noise as possible. And so you could say that as an example, as an analogy, we were just machine gunning our way through the place to get noticed, to gain some traction for the art of charm. And for that time, it worked really well. But then, of course, as the technology got more refined and we figured out how to use it properly, as we got in order, we refined the tactics in which we used to move. So then... A few years later, we moved to Los Angeles and we had a plan of starting over again. And I'll tell you what we weren't going to do. What we weren't going to do is get into Los Angeles and make as much noise as possible to get attention. We now refined those strategies. We used the, the new technology as we learned how to use it to work for us. And we were more strategic in the way we went about setting up shop. And we've even talked about that. We used some meetup.com in order to gain some awareness and gain some traction. And we'll be discussing that in a bit as well.
2: Well, that technology is essential now. Yes. When we moved to New York, it was okay to not have a Twitter. It was okay to not have an online presence. But this is your pre-move work list, your worksheet, You need to create a social media profile on all the platforms. If you don't have one, pick one or two that you really enjoy and start showcasing your personality before you even move. Because the way the world works now, you meet someone in passing, you meet someone in real life who's new to town, you're gonna check out their social media. You're gonna look them up on your favorite platform, whether it be Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, maybe even TikTok. And if they're a ghost, If they're a random profile with no context, no personality, the odds of that person actually wanting to connect further with you and and meet again diminish. And we didn't have that when we moved to New York. We weren't as tapped in. Of course, people would Google one another, but the social media platforms were not as ubiquitous as they are today. So homework, if you know that you're moving somewhere or you just moved somewhere, Do a social media audit. Are you highlighting your personality, your passions, your pursuits, your favorite travels, your favorite books, what podcasts you're listening to? Even if you're shy and introverted, it's a very important and simple way to create an online presence that gets people more interested in seeing you again and welcoming them into your network.
1: Just to go along with that, for myself, and I had to move to Vegas during the pandemic, right? This is... One of the worst times to be moving, where you're moving to a new place, you're moving in the middle of a pandemic, a lot of the things are shut down. When I moved to my new building, it was a lot of, of the areas were off limits, the common areas, due to everyone figuring out what was going on with COVID. But even so, before I moved for the, the social scene that I enjoy, and spe- specifically in music, I started reaching out to people who worked at some of the clubs and from some of the fanzines that I was reading online that was dedicated to the scene that, of music that I like. And when things started opening up due to the vaccines, I was then able to solidify all the relationships that I had built online. And this is very important. Even with our X Factor members, which is an online course and year-long mentorship program, and it is fantastic and we are dedicated into building the lives of our members. However, that we made sure that we have quarterly masterminds so that those people and, and us can meet
2: in person,
1: meet in person, solidify our relationships, and connect even in a, in a deeper way than we can online. This also makes you invested in one another. So now that I've met this person, we've talked online, he's been my accountability buddy, and now I've met him online, I've invested more of my time to this person. So now I'm more engaged to their mission, what they have going on, and I'm going to fight harder to help them. This is the community that we've created and why we've made sure that there was an in-person, in-real-life component to it. And if
2: you haven't really posted your passions or hobbies on social media because maybe you're concerned about judgment from your friends in that past city you lived in, it's important for you to start highlighting that social media presence and your personality online Because as I said, once you meet people in real life, the natural thing for all of us to do is to reach for that technology. And there is a concept that you introduced me to, Johnny, that I want to talk about next. This idea of a third place. Because we've written some blog articles about it. We talked about it on the show years ago. And it's such a powerful concept and idea. And I just don't think enough people in our audience are even aware of it.
1: And I'll go ahead and I'll lay it out. So – Ray Oldenburg wrote a book called The Great Good Place. And this book basically tells the tale of of society and civilization, and that no matter what culture we may be living in, there is a community-based place where everybody can go meet, gather, discuss what's going on, and, and connect, so that Again, investing with other people in the community, you are now going to want to help build your community up. And in America, the great good place he was using was the corner dive bar. In France, it's the cafe. In Italy, it was the cafe. In In Ireland or England, it was the corner pub. And if you go to England, if you're in one of those areas there's always there's going to be the corner pub where everybody goes and everyone discusses and it's everybody's place it's not your place it's not Jim's place it's our place and if it's our place it needs to be great for all of us ray lays out that we're losing these community places because they're not money makers they are they are their help they're there to help the people in the community connect and build. So we're, we are losing these places, but they still exist. But the idea is never going to go away. So you may take out the dive bars, but the members of the community are still going to have to find a way to connect with each other. And they will. Churches are also a place where people get together and connect and invest in one another and what is going on. So the requirements for a good third place is a place where the primary function is to connect, to talk, conversation, and that everyone is equal in this place. So Jim the milkman and Mike the lawyer, when they enter, they are members of the the community. That is all. And both have the opportunity to say whatever it is that they want. And it's also part of it that I'm able to call bullshit on anyone. So everyone is just equal and the best ideas win. And it's a place where we can lay out our arguments, connect, invest in each other in the community and build. And the other thing that they have that makes a great good place is that there are parlor games. So that there is something to do, but it also... It also forces you to connect, talk, and meet, and connect with the other people. Let me ask you a question. What would you be able to accomplish if you had a team that supports and encourages and holds you accountable to weekly strategies, building unique skills such as rapport, leadership, and influence? And imagine having that accountability for one year. I'll tell you what the answer is. It's no limits. Turn your goals into
2: reality. That's what we do in the X Factor Accelerator. Our programs are filled with expert trainings from the skills we've built over the last 15 years and shared with the thousands of clients who've come through our programs. Our clients are leveling up at a rapid pace in a world that is evolving at a rapid pace. Relationships matter. They help you get introductions and help you get the inside track. Military, entrepreneurs, and professionals alike are looking for an edge to beat out the competition, and they've found it by developing their X Factor.
1: Your X Factor is hidden inside you and ready to be unleashed. Join our community and build an unstoppable mindset, captivating conversations, and learn to leverage your social capital to win at love, work, and life.
2: Join us and find out what you're truly capable. Apply now at unlockyourxfactor.com. That's unlockyourxfactor.com. So your first place is your home. Yes. It's where you're going to spend most of your time.
1: And we've also realized that this is even more important now because of what COVID had done to our
2: home. What did it do to our home? Well, it collapsed the first and the second place for many of us. The second place was your work. You would go into the office, ideally. You'd sit around the water cooler. There was a level of socialization. That COVID, as we found over the last couple of years, has removed from our lives. Of course, we've tried to do it virtually with Zoom and everything else, but we've talked about Zoom fatigue on the show in the past. So now we're we're seeing your first place, your home, and your second place work collapsed on each other. So that third place is even more important. And when I think of a third place, I don't think of it necessarily as a location that has to be a specific four walls and a roof. For me, over the pandemic, my third place became the golf course and a foursome that I had built on the golf course. We would play various golf courses because in LA, it was easy to get outdoors. It was easy to socialize in that manner. Same thing. Everyone was equal. Everyone had an opportunity to share. And of course, there were parlor games in golf. We were actually engaged in an activity that united all of us, and we were able to have those common interests. And that's why we've been such huge fans of meetup.com because meetup.com is the easiest way for you to find a third place for you based on your passions. And these could be the beach volleyball court. I have friends in Manhattan who are huge into beach volleyball when it warms up. Their third place is beach volleyball. I've also had clients tell me that their third place is a rock climbing gym, bouldering. We did it when we were in Europe. So it doesn't have to be drinking. It doesn't have to have four walls and a roof because COVID has also kept that from many of us. But the most important thing that you pointed out, Johnny, that I want to highlight is the the lack of a hierarchical structure. Yes. That everyone is equal and everyone is given equal airtime because of that.
1: That's also a trap. So a lot of places recognize that their customers will pay for attention. And if you're paying for attention, a hierarchical structure gets set together. And now it's like, well, listen, since I want all the attention of the opposite sex or the same sex in this room, I'm going to pay you to make sure that I'm propped up to get that. And that defeats the third place. So when you're looking for a third place, the, the, a place where you're going to pay for attention or where there's a hierarchical structure, that's fine if you're getting, if that's helping you with your mission that we're going to talk about later. But most importantly, that you're there there is some sort of engagement where everyone is on the same playing field and that the only thing that there is to do is the talk. And I want to also stress, so there's an analogy I want to use here as well. When I was younger and I used to go to rehearsal Part of the reason we would go to rehearsal is just jam. And we would see what would come out of those jams. And, and if certain jams would take place, maybe they would, they would soon turn into a, a song structure and you would build off of that. You wanted to see what ideas come out of that. As I have gotten older and I got more pressed for time, there was less jamming going on. It was, I got to get in the studio, rehearse for the show, and then I'm out. And so the creative juices and energy that it would happen with four or five people collaborating and jamming is lost. And we're now in a place where our attention is being pulled into so many different places. Even in a Zoom meeting, you're in, you're out, and, and, and you, you've you talked about what you needed to talk about and you were gone. There was no connection. There was no discussing how you feel about things. There was no talking about here's what happened. What is your take? What is your perspective? What is going on? We've lost that. We've lost the jamming. We've lost the talking.
2: Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with
1: Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed And, and I think you, you make a really good point about this, this jamming aspect as well
0: is that when you went to one of those jam sessions, you were doing something that you loved, right? It wasn't solely to meet people. It was also to incorporate something that gives you joy and pleasure. And for me, for example, when, when I was looking for the third place, when I finally got that concept after relying on my home and my work colleagues for, you know, most of my, my previous career, my third place became places that were workshops that had uh, speakers that had things to try out and do together, develop together, debate together, have conversations together. And after I found those event series and the, and those locations where those things were happening, so sometimes that was a dedicated location and they had different events. Sometimes it was the same event that happened every month or every two months with like different locations and would kind of follow both. Once I found those and I realized how much, pleasure it gives me to be there and meet like like like-minded people that are interested in the same things that I can learn from, that I can network with, that that give me opportunities to build my social circle as well as my professional circle. Like I subscribe to these events to a point where sometimes I was helping to run them. Like there was this one NGO here in, in Vienna where I had moved that was talking about sustainability in the world as well as self-development. And I just loved that. And after attending a couple of their events, I told them, hey, you know, I could be your speaker coach. Like I'm a professional speaker coach. How about all the speakers that you have? I'm going to come into the team and I'm going to help you coach them. So they give their best performance out there. And they love the idea. And in, at, at the end, I was part of a team of like 20 people with my dedicated air quotes job in there. I would attend every event. And, and maybe I was utilizing one of those traps actually because I did put myself a little bit into the spotlight because I was one of the teams, right? My name tag had like team member on on top. So I was actually playing playing the game. Um, and, and And that really helped me like make all of the, Connections that I think 80% of the social and business connections that I have in my life right now are because of these event series that I found. And I was just having this
2: conversation on an X Factor call with one of our members, Suleiman, and he's trying to be healthier. And of course, trying to figure out a third place that involves being healthy. And I shared with him, joining a run club Mm -hmm. is a great way. He's passionate about running, but he often runs with headphones in alone. And it's not necessarily that you're going to chat while you're running, but typically before and after a run club, you then hang out and socialize together. Mm-hmm. So, what I'd love for you to do is make a list of two, three passions, hobbies, pursuits that you just enjoy, that you love doing, even if right now you do them alone. And then go to meetup.com, search in Google your city plus that exact thing that you love doing. And you're going to find it listed on Yelp reviews. You're going to find run clubs. You're going to find bouldering gyms. And it's going to be an excellent opportunity for you to find that third place for yourself. I don't want the listeners to walk away from this thinking, oh, well, I'm not religious. I don't drink. Oh, man, I don't know how I'm going to find this third place because that's really going about it the wrong way.
1: Absolutely. And the other thing that we're going to discuss later that is going to help with this is what your mission is. And we'll get to that because your third place is going to be integral to helping you in that mission. And we'll discuss that. And even joining a gym,
2: yep, even joining an Equinox or a YMCA, and instead of rushing out of the gym to get ready at home, hanging out in the locker room, picking up on the chatter is a great way for you to start seeding what we call propinquity. Now, propinquity is when people see familiar faces, they naturally become fond of them. And Johnny and I have, for the most part, lived in high-rise buildings in big cities. And if you're wearing a smile and you're making eye contact in the elevator, over time, your neighbors are going to warm up to you for this exact reason. Many of you might be finding your coworkers attractive. Why? Because you're spending a lot of time seeing them over and over again. So when you join a gym, when you go to a third place, you're allowing propinquity to work to your advantage by going there consistently, having great body language, smile, eye contact, and chatting. Even if they're short bursts of chatter, over time, those people are gonna warm up to you, and next thing you know, you're getting invited.
1: I just wanted just to comment on that, and this is the reason everybody who's hearing this knows that you should not be forming romantic relationships with people at work or, you know, like places where you go where where that's going to interfere with what you need to do. The reason that everyone falls into that trap is exactly what you just said. It's propinquity because if you're not creating options outside of that, you're Biology is going to create the options where you are. And this is why everybody who knows that comes and how many questions that we get a week that starts with there's this woman at work or there's this guy at work. And the reason, and my first thing is because you're not creating options outside of that. Just as a funny thing that you mentioned, I wanted to bring that up. And those
2: those opportunities for you to have great body language, to be seen at the Monday morning workout, the Tuesday morning workout, by Thursday in the Barry's locker room, you're going to be in conversation with people. Yep. They will see that familiar face and that smile. I've done it in elevators. And, and Johnny, we laughed about this. In New York, you know, it felt like it was a lot easier to strike up conversations. In LA, at first when we moved, it was like, man, people just avoid eye contact. They just want to get about their day. But still, that same theory worked in Los Angeles, in elevators, in our building. Give it a few weeks of saying hello, asking them how their day's going, until they break and all of a sudden you're having a conversation and you're invited up to their apartment for cocktails or you're inviting them over to yours to watch the football game. And all of a
1: sudden, you've created a relationship with a neighbor that you would have thought was a little cold. It's funny that you say that. And, and, And that was an observation. And then we worked through that and saw that it was it was just on a surface level. When I moved to Vegas in the building that I'm in, I had to get used to everyone being super friendly. And now Vegas also operates in a, on a hospitality level too. It's a tourist town. Everyone is, and so now I have to find I find myself to make sure that I say hello and stuff because everyone is so friendly, and I'll feel bad if I don't. We're in Los Angeles. You can get away of stay, living in your apartment and riding into the elevator not saying anything to anybody. However, if you break that surface, you'll see that everyone is just as friendly as anywhere else. It's just the subtle nuances that you r- recognize culturally.
2: Now, let's talk about finding places to socialize and have fun because I know some in the audience are like, man, I don't even know where to start with the third place. And our, our third tip is actually become a tourist in your new city. Understand that you move to a new town, it's easy to fall into the same routines you had in your old town. Okay, I got to go to the same grocery store, I go to the same gym, I go to work, and then I'm back turning on Netflix. Instead, go check out Airbnb experiences. There are food walking tours, there are art gallery tours, there are so many activities going on in your city all over the world That allow you to be a tourist, allow you to get out and actually see more, learn some of the history of the town, and interact with people who are running those tours who are really social, who are really extroverted, who are really connected.
0: Yeah, this is such an eye-opening experience to me when I was living in Vienna for I think two years and I didn't know anything about the city. I just knew the classic tourist spots. Why? Because whenever my family came to visit, that's where I brought them. <laughs> so I had like these three spots I would always go to. And or when when I had someone around. And I remember I was for whatever reason I was in the train station at the tourist info and I saw one of their flyers, their maps, which you can unfold and it's like huge. And it's like a hundred different things to check out. And I was like, why have I been living here for two years? And I haven't like, seen this and I haven't seen that. And, and I'm only learning about the city whenever someone is here. I'm watching a movie and I would, I would see a movie like, uh, what was the name of the movie? Uh, I think the Golden Lady was the name of the movie. And I saw this beautiful castle where palace, where, where half the movie was happening and I punched it into Google and I realized that's five minutes from my place. Yeah. And I was thinking like, how have I never seen, like I've never been there. And and so now for this upcoming winter, I do have a a, a ticket to all the museums in the city. And when when snow is falling, I'm going to tour all the museums and take in all of that stuff.
1: Now for those who are listening and and you might say to yourself, well, I don't live in Vienna and I don't live in Los Angeles and I don't live in Vegas. I mean, you guys of course got plenty of wonderful things to see. I'm going to tell you a story. So my I grew up in Greensburg, Pennsylvania. It is 40 minutes uh south east of Pittsburgh and and about an hour out of from Ohio and in, in West Virginia. And it's in the foothills of the Appalachians, and it was settled as a mining town in the uh, late 1800s. And of course, growing up there as a young man, I was concentrating on how do I get out of here. That was my plan. I I wanted to check out cities. I wanted to play music. All the all the you know every that most young men are like that. You want to get out. You want to explore. So, and I bag on it a lot because I grew up there. But I have a friend who still lives there, who made a blog of old mining camps that are through the Appalachians. And when he posts pictures and stories from these blogs about these areas and what happened there and and what they look like now, I'm utterly mesmerized. And I think it's the most beautiful thing. There is history to wherever you are. It's up to you to discover what that Is and that's what makes where you are special. And imagine discovering these places, of course. And for myself, and 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 we're all like this. When we discover something new, the first thing that we want to do is tell other people about it. We want to share about it. So when you're discovering these new things about where you are, it's going to give you plenty of things that you're going to want to discuss at your third place.
0: And there's there's something else that you'll probably recognize as you go to these places, as you go through these Airbnb experiences, as AJ has suggested, that a lot of the people that you meet there will be there for exactly the same reason you are. They'll say, well, you know, I'm in town for a month. I just wanted to see what's happening here. Or I just moved here and I wanted to learn more about the city. So, so these events automatically bring you in contact with a lot of people that have exactly the mindset you have, and they're new to the city, which is, which makes them just a magical combination of fun, learning, culture, and getting to know new people.
2: And that's why anytime we host a a boot camp on the road, or a mastermind on the road, we're going to Miami next month for our X Factor mastermind. And the first thing that I do is check out Airbnb experiences. The second thing that I do is I hop on Yelp, I sort by rating, I click on the Yelp reviews of the best restaurants and places to check out, and I search the reviews for birthday, bachelor, bachelorette party, And anyone who had a great experience at a birthday party or a bachelor or bachelorette party, odds are that place is really lively. It's really social. It's really open to people meeting and connecting. And birthday parties especially because they bring out people who wouldn't normally go out. I go out very infrequently. I know we talk about it a lot on the show, but after years of taking clients out and going out, I have my my routine set. But whenever I'm visiting a new town and I want to get a sense for the vibe or I'm trying to plan a field night for our clients, I know that I want to find a social, fun, outgoing venue, make it easy on us. And I've gone to birthday parties and met amazing people just by enjoying the atmosphere, having the most fun in the room. And you'll find that Yelp sorts this for you. It does all the legwork for you. So that's a little insider tip. And we've Done boot camps in London and Germany and Miami. And the fun part about it is at the end of the program, clients will be like, How do you know about all these spots? What'd you do? How'd you scout it out? I use the power of the internet. These are the simple tactics of doing a little research, doing a little legwork that allow you to find the best spots. And now, once you've found that spot, when you meet new people, you can invite them to check out the folklore, to check out the touristy spots with you. Because odds are most locals probably haven't engaged in that stuff.
1: Food tours are another great way. I mean, we make sure that we always do one on on all of the masterminds. And it, it's a great way to connect. There's a primary focus of of walking and seeing the things and learning about the history and now you're you're experiencing the delicacies and the food with your with your friends and we're, and a lot of times with absolute strangers when you just sign up for one of these food tours you don't need to bring your group on the food tour just elect to do it on your own this is one of the reasons why i love traveling alone I get so much out of the experience. Now, it's not that I I don't like traveling with other people. I certainly do. It's a fun experience when you're with somebody as well. But if I find out that I'm going by myself, even better. I, I make the most out of it. I love doing tours where I'm the only person and I meet everybody on the tour. I love discovering things. I also will take a jog through a new city where it'll allow all the anxiety and the nervousness that I feel being in a new place to settle down as my mind is mapping out the area that I'm in through the jog.
2: And we had a mastermind in Tulum. I looked up an Airbnb experiences, met a local who was taking us on a tour of the ruins, took the whole group out and we told him, Hey, we're staying for an entire week. Uh, What are the other places to check out? And he said, Hey, you know what? I'm trying to put together a little taco tour. If you guys are down, I'd love to get some feedback. We went on a taco tour with him and we met all the locals. He took us to all the local spots. And now every time I go back to Tulum or I have friends going to Tulum, I put him in touch. So the people leading these tours, the people on the experiences who've taken the time to create the website, to put it up, they are outgoing, extroverted, and social. They are going to introduce you to other people. And The best part is when you say, I'm actually a local, I'm trying to learn more about the town, you're gonna get all the inside secrets from that person. And that's why I love those walking tours and those experiences because you really get the inside information if you're brand new to a destination. Now, going back to that list you made earlier, some of those items on your list may be some passions or pursuits where you feel like, well, you know, I haven't really engaged in it, it's been on my bucket list. Sign up for a class, take a lesson. Whether it's a cooking class, whether it's a dancing lesson, whether it's an improv, which we highly recommend, or jujitsu, MMA, going to classes are great ways to meet like-minded people in your area. And of course, the classes are geared to be more social than you just going about your day with your AirPods on. So taking the AirPods out and signing up for classes has been one of the simplest ways to get some golf lessons, to learn how to cook the cuisine, to learn how to salsa dance or improv. So I want to highlight that because even if what's on your list, you don't feel that accomplished in, you haven't really scratched the surface of, classes are a great way to meet people. Now, Johnny, I know you sort of touched on this a little bit, but I want to jump into this idea of a mission because it's so important for you and the missions that you've created in your life. And we've talked about its impact on your happiness. So what is a mission as you define it? And, and how important do you feel it is for our audience members to find and define that mission for themselves?
1: Regardless if you're moving or you're at home, you're, you're not going to be moving for a while. It's important to bring adventure into your life. And we all relate to adventure. Our heart needs adventure. Adventure. Adventure allows us to thrive and allows us to put ourselves out there with a reason. If you're just sitting on the couch and you're just waiting for the next Netflix uh, series to start, there's no—the adventure that you're getting is given to you and you hope— that it is written in a narrative that winds you up, that you enjoy it. And for me, the chances of that are slim to none. I haven't watched a a television series in in years. I've opted out of mainstream media, but the mission itself brings, brings energy and love into your heart, especially if it's a, a project that you're looking that helps other people. You should have multiple missions. I think that everyone should have a career mission, a passion project mission, and a a romantic mission, right? I think you should have all three of those. This puts you in a position to reach out, to go on an adventure, to make these things happen. And it gives you something to do. But I want to – there's one caveat that I want to bring into this, which is having multiple missions – that are separate, as I mentioned, the, the three that I just did, is important. If you have one singular mission, I think it's easy for you to drive yourself mad on focusing on that mission. And I bring up Moby Dick for this very reason. He had this one mission, and it and it drove him mad. And this is important. And I bring this up because if I only had AOC and I didn't have anything else, I would drive, well, drive myself. That's probably drive AJ. (laughs) Me (laughs) too. I'd be driving everyone nuts around me. You need to stretch the the rubber band in other directions so that you can come back to your primary mission or the next mission with fresh eyes. And that's very important. So for myself, I have a creative endeavor, my passion project, which I'm making a, a record due to the songs that I wrote during the pandemic. That's the mission I chose out here. This is, goes along parallel with my mission, with the Art of Charm, getting this information and these ideas to as many people as possible because we know it makes the world a better place. When I get burned out on AOC stuff, I go into the studio and I and I get to pursue my other mission and I come back to AOC with, with renewed energy and fresh eyes. You can equate this to for those of you who play video games where there's always maybe there's a'm a, dating myself I <laughs> will play video games, but when you've played Mario and you're always stuck on this one level, and no matter how much you continue to, to, to try to make this happen, you can you cannot do it. And then maybe you go make dinner or you take a few days away from it and you come back and you, you get it instantly. It's the it's the same thing. You have to stretch the rubber band in other directions.
0: So among the the very many passion projects, and of course they their work projects, um, they're, they're my own passion projects, and and there is one that is actually quite geeky. So I feel a little bit um, self conscious um, sharing this, but it really connected me to my little brother. Um, last year, when I saw my entire family for the first for the last time, September twenty twenty. I shared with my brother my little miniature painting project. And I showed him like all these little, tiny little figures that I'm painting. And he was like so amazed by it. And two weeks later, he sent me like the first figure he painted. And ever since then, and of course this ties not so much into making new friends, but for me, it was a beautiful example of strengthening these old bonds to, with the life that I left behind when I moved. And, and now like every Every couple of days we sent back and forth pictures. And I was like, hey, what do you think about this? And I might text him, Hey, do you have any idea on that? And just yesterday he sent me a video of my little eight-year-old nephew painting a figure. And I was like, How is it possible that this little guy's better at it than I am? <laughs> it's like what happened in this year. And and this small little passion project just allowed me to get so much closer to my to my brother, to my niece, to my nephew, because we share those those pictures. And, and for me, not sharing my passion project with my brother would have also never led to like spreading that word and creating that bond. It's such a great example that
2: no matter how closely you hold your passion project, and maybe you might be a little embarrassed or feel nerdy about sharing it, the simple fact of getting vulnerable and opening up about it opens others to you even if they don't share that same passion, pursuit, or mission. And this is so important because many of us, when we move to a new town, we're naturally gonna find ourselves in small talk. We're gonna find ourselves chatting up people around, looking for connections. And what ends up happening in those conversations? Well, I was talking to Brandon and X Factor about this exact thing. You end up getting asked, what do you do for fun? What are you into? What are your passions or hobbies? Well, what is your answer to that question, your answer should include a story, should include what excited you and drew you to that. Maybe your dad introduced you to painting those miniatures. Maybe your uncle taught you how to golf. Or what is your absolute favorite memory that really just stoked that passion even further, that got you completely hooked the first time you swung the golf club, the first time you broke 80. When you are asked these questions in small talk, they're inevitable. What do you do for fun? What are you looking to get into in the city? Oh, what are you super excited about? Having an answer with a story that illustrates why you got into it, why you're so passionate about it, that's infectious. Even if they don't share that passion, they might think of a friend who shares that passion, a coworker they have to introduce you to. So having those stories prepped and ready to go knowing that you're going to go into small talk is a really important exercise. So think about that. What are your two or three top passions pursuits that you can maybe turn into a mission and think about the stories, your origin story around them, how they became that, why you got interested in that, or your favorite memory engaging in that mission and that passion.
1: This is incredibly important. And I want to talk about the mechanisms that allow this to work. And we are herd animals, and we feel best when we're surrounded in a herd. It allows us to feel safe. It allows us to feel connected, and it allows us to know that there are other people who think and share our worldview. These are all important. If you don't have that, you're left with a lot of uncertainty, and that makes us incredibly anxious. and then we do uh, desperate things desperate people do desperate things. So when you, have a mission. You laying out this narrative and there's a reason for it. This piques people's curiosity and it gives them an opportunity to jump on board, to be connected to what you are doing. And I want to rip the excuse. i want to rip the rug out from under everybody right here. For those who are like, oh, I have a mission. Well, that's too bad. Go and join somebody else's because That's where it starts. And perhaps that will spark you to choose a mission. When you help somebody else and you see what they're going through and and you are able to help them, then you will find something that perhaps that you'll need to do. And going back to the third place, once you've chosen the mission, this makes where you're going to be hanging out that much easier. What is a third place that is conducive for you to be able to meet the people that you need to meet in order to complete your mission? It's all connected. And as I said, that the narrative of why you're doing this piques others' curiosity and it allows their natural tendencies to want to help be part of the herd connect. And a lot of times, they don't even realize that they've been activated in helping you out. It's a natural response. And you'll be surprised just how easy it is to connect with people when you put yourself out there in that manner, especially a mission that uh, uh, helps other people or that other people are involved in.
2: Now, we have to insert fear and anxiety here. Yes. Because as humans we are most anxious and nervous around new people, new places, new experiences. And what we see time and time again with our clients is they'll move to a new town. They don't create the time and space in their lives to actually meet new people, to find that third place, to engage in their mission. And also they end up saying no to opportunities because, well, I'm not interested in sewing. Why would I go to that meetup? Oh, I'm not really good at bowling. I'm going to say, no, I can't do that. Oh, this work project is really slamming me. Maybe next time. And those no's and maybe next times leads to other people not inviting you, not taking a chance on you, not giving you another opportunity. So we have to, one, create time on your calendar, literally block it out every single week for the first two months that you know That you're going to be going out there, looking for your third place, going out there, meeting new people, going out there, talking about your mission, going out there, taking that class. And when you get invited, say yes. Say yes. Understand the fear is real. It's normal. We all face it. I was hanging out with David from meetup.com in New York, and we were talking about this exact thing, why people will sign up to meetups and then not show up. These fears hit all of us universally. Understand it. Be like, yep, that's my fear. That's my anxiety talking. And go anyways. Say yes, even if that isn't necessarily part of your passion or your pursuit. Because that openness and saying yes to that invite leads to more. It exponentially grows
1: your opportunity to meet people. Something else that I just want to add to that, which is, when people are hearing this, I, I know that some people think, well, I don't feel comfortable just going out to a place that I'm going to meet new people and blurting out my mission. You don't have to. What is important is that you have one and you're discerning about who gets this information and who doesn't get this information. Now, for some people, they'll blab that mission out to anybody who's willing to listen. And a lot of times, I'm if I have a couple drinks of myself, you're going to hear about it. But at the same time, if I it doesn't take much for me to to realize who is going to dig this or who's going to be interested. And sometimes I take the risk if I'm not sure and sometimes I don't. But it's important that you have it and then you can you can lay it on whoever whoever you want. And this brings up the point of saying yes. If you get asked to do something and it is aligned with your values and your missions, that is on you. To say yes, no matter how you feel in the moment. And here's what I do. And, and I caught myself doing this years ago, so I don't do it anymore. People would ask me to do something, and I said, oh, yeah, that, let me check my calendar. I'll get back to you. I'll hit you up this week. That was my way of blowing it off, kicking the can down the road, not having to say anything there. And then, and then when it comes up, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, I found some other things to do. I'm not going to go. So now if it aligns with my mission and, and values, the answer is always yes. And I started doing this when it came, AJ and I were training for a half marathon. It was the first long run that we had ever had done. And I remember that it was that time while I was getting ready for that, that if, if somebody had asked me to do outside physical activity, the answer was always yes, yes. There was no, there's no, let me think about it. Let me check my calendar. The answer was yes. And then I'll figure it out later. And I had so much fun and I found myself experiencing and doing new things that I never thought I would try before. And that openness
2: is conveyed to the person who invited you that leads them to thinking of you for the next opportunity, the next invite, which might actually be in line with your
0: passions. I had the weirdest experience here with the very first social event that I joined as I moved to Vienna and after the event we went out for some food and I was invited to a sewing workshop. And so I don't mean like a bunch of lawyers coming together, but the string and needle kind of thing. How do you sue on a button? And I was like, yeah, let's let's just go. Let's figure this out. And what happened was I had a lot of fun. Um, I'm now better at suing buttons to my shirts that my even my grandma is. And I got invited to do a talk after, which was in line with my mission in life. And we were just hanging out. We were talking as we were suing those buttons on. And the topic came up that I'm a public speaker. And before I knew, even knew it, they said, hey, we have an event coming up in a couple of weeks. Would you like to speak there? So that happened from saying yes to a freaking suing workshop. And and you just never know where where things take you. And the, the place to start is that yes and that commitment to then also show up and then to share, if you're willing to do so, your mission with everyone that's there.
2: That yes, plus adding it on your calendar and and showing up is really key. And that's why I wanted to point out those three fears that we all have. They're universal. They're always going to be present, especially when you're moving to a completely new town and trying to make new friends. But when you understand that, you then create the time and space necessary to really create the relationships in your life that matter. And we started the show talking about this. This is a famous Jim Rohn quote. We are the average of the five people we spend the most time with. As you move to a new city, who are those five people gonna be? Number one, you gotta be open to meeting them. And number two, you gotta be discerning in who ultimately you deeply connect with. And many of us will stop short. We don't realize that to build friendship, science shows it takes real time. So it's not just welcoming the first five people you meet. It's not taking the four people in the elevator and the one person at Equinox and saying, great, I got my five people, I'm ready to go. It's being open and saying yes, but then being discerning with ultimately who gets your time to join that inner circle, understanding that time spent together leads to relationships. So it's going to take you being invested and opening up. And when we think about the science behind why this is so powerful, Michael, there's a happiness study that we've talked about on the show a few times that really was eye opening for us. And I want the audience to hear this because it is so key on this new city move that you may be facing.
0: Well, there are actually two big ones out there, two done by by very famous universities in, in the States. And one is the, the well-known Harvard study where, where they tracked a cohort of people throughout their life from 18 to now there's just a few of them left at the high 90s. And what they found in that study was that the quality of the connections that they had, not the not the quantity but the quality of the connections that they had in their life was very heavily correlated to their income, their health, their longevity, their well-being, their happiness overall. Um it didn't matter whether they were married. The quality of the marriage was important. It didn't matter how many kids they had, but the quality of relationships that that they had with them. So so that was the the, the question where is happiness? was easily answered by that study. After like 70 years, they said, well, it's easy. It's the human connection. And, and the other study that I think is important to add to that was done at Yale University. And, and what they wanted to add is to say that human connection is, it doesn't guarantee you that happiness, but it's the absolute necessity before you can even think about building it. So there's no chance of you developing a solid happiness in your life unless it starts on the basis of relationship, So moving into a new city, like this is, this is where it starts. This is where, where you, you, you lay the ground for that prosperous future. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, we
2: put together a checklist, a new move checklist for you. Maybe you moved a few months ago and you haven't quite established or you know you're moving. If you want to download our free checklist, head on over to theartofcharm.com slash newcity. And it's a simple download. You'll go through the exact tips we gave you here as a cheat sheet so that you can create the time, space, and start saying yes to connection in that new town. Well, before we wrap, I know we covered a lot of ground in today's episode. If you want a cheat sheet and checklist that you can follow to help you establish yourself in a new city, head to the artacharm.com slash new city or click the link in the show notes and you'll get access
1: to our checklist to help you out. This week I want to give a shout out to one of our newest members in the X Factor program, Betsy who is joining us, learning to establish some new boundaries and delegating her tasks. She's a business owner who, due to the success of her business, has felt consumed by it. And AJ, I know that you know how that feels. We talk about it all the time. She's now putting in the work to manage her business better and freeing up her time for herself so that she may enjoy the life she's created for herself. So congrats, Betsy, for joining us in The X Factor. I'm looking forward to your journey as you... You continue to add these amazing skills to everything that you've already brought with you. If you're interested in joining us in the X Factor, apply today at unlockyourxfactor.com. Before we run, Johnny,
2: could you do us and the entire Art of Charm team a huge favor? Could you open up Apple Podcasts and rate and review this show? It really helps others like you find the show and, of course, bring on some amazing guests. The Art of Charm podcast is produced by Michael Harold and Eric Montgomery. Go out there and have an epic week.